everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome to another edition of Poker Action Line. Big Dave and Joe, and uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world of poker. A lot of conversation about the uh, Stones Gambling Hall cheating scandal with Mike Postel and uh, the stuff that's happened this week. There's been a couple lawsuits filed. The uh, players and bloggers and people in the know have continued to analyze hands and come up with uh, some of the uh, outrageous stuff that uh, you can find online very easily. Uh, check out uh, Doug Polk's YouTube channel. Uh, is a good place. Uh, Joey In- Joey uh, Joey Ingram, uh, the uh, the uh, blogger and uh, podcaster. Uh, I believe he's out of the Chicago area. Has uh, been doing hours and hours of uh, evaluation of this stuff. Uh, Jonathan Littles uh, put some of his notes in on his site, and uh, there's plenty of places you can check it out. But uh, you know, the overwhelming, uh, as we were talking about, the preponderance of the evidence. Suggests, There's the word, baby. Suggests that uh, Postel cheated people for well over a year, maybe as much as 15 months, uh, collected anywhere from 250000 to $300,000 in winnings over that time. So um, a lot of talk. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. We'll also uh, keep an eye on the uh, tournament in Jacksonville, the Best Bet Bounty Scramble. <coughs> which is down to the final table of nine. Uh, chip leader right now in that one is uh, Dana Cowles. Joe McKeon is second. Or actually, Carlos Guerrero is the chip leader with $2.185 million. Uh, Cowles is second, and Joe McKeon is right up there. He is in currently in fourth place. Jeffrey Cunningham is third. But... Uh, no one has really run away with this one, so still a long way to go. They're just at the dinner break right now as we do the show. So we'll keep an eye on what happens after that. But they uh, just finished down to nine. The tenth place, the bubble for the final table, was Howard Mash, who we just had on the show a few weeks ago uh, when he got back from the World Series of Poker and won the senior event out there. So uh, Howard continues to play very well and picked up 31000 for tenth place finish here. Uh, McKeon always kind of right there, you know. He had such a dominating performance the year he won the World Series of Poker and uh, has continued to play well and and finished in a lot of terms. He was down here at the Seminole Hard Rock a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he continues to play well. Some of these other players I I don't know much about. He really has. He's he's continued to play, you know, top level uh, poker since he won the main event. Absolutely. And you know that's and yeah, I would imagine you, you you know just like when you're a world champion in any other sport, you have a bullseye on your back. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that happens to main event winners where you know people are trying to take down so they could say, hey, I eliminated the main event winner, uh, but you know. His results have been very impressive since he won the main event. Yeah, a lot of people down here know guys like Josh Kay. Uh, he's doing pretty well. Uh, the short stack is Tan Win with 485,000 chips. Uh, the, the, let's just mention the other players at the final table. Jason Lee, Josh Kay, uh, Jonathan Cronin, Josh Adkins uh, with, once again, Carlos Guerrero, the chip leader. So we'll keep an eye on that. But a lot of big names. Uh, Jessica Dolly uh, knocked out... Uh, uh, the other girl who does the pod, the uh, commentator on uh, uh, the World Poker Tour and some of the circuit, um, kind of lost her name now at this moment, but uh, Jessica knocked her out and was uh, trying to become the last bounty standing for the third straight year, which is pretty good. There's wow, 30 bounties impressive. in this tournament. And she would have been the last one for three straight years? Right. Uh, Jamie Kerstetter is the name I was thinking of. Uh, they did an article about her on the WPT site and uh, how well she did to hang in there when a lot of people were gunning for her. But uh, she's great. She's a great broadcaster. I don't know how familiar you are with her, Joe. but uh, uh, Not much, Big Dave. You know, ever since I started back at this, uh, back, you know, Back working in the casino again a few months ago. I, I didn't watch a whole lot of it to begin with, as I told you, with the, with the live. But, you know, my time has been really limited since I'm running two different departments now and being involved in it. So, yeah, 
I actually come to this show also to learn. <laughs> what's going <laughs> and on? And to go and learn <laughs> and what's going on yeah. as, as we're talking. I hear you. Uh, also, the World Series of Poker Europe is underway. Uh, first couple of events there. Negrano is over there playing. And, and the race for the um, WSOP Player of the Year is uh, coming right down to the finish there. I know Sean Deeb is uh, second behind Robert Campbell in that race. But uh, it's kind of interesting. I was looking at some of the... Uh, some of the stuff going on over there, and and not as much no limit hold'em uh, by itself out there. They play the two uh, two of the events are short decks uh, uh, tournaments. They also have some uh, eight game mix and uh, some of the stuff. So I I find that pretty exciting. And uh, well, you know, it's coming back a little bit. Dave, I mean, you know, I'm sure being that you and I are very similar in age and everything here, born the same year and everything. Uh, Growing up, remember the the. I remember growing up playing when I was in my teens and first year in college. You know, uh, baseball, follow the queen games, and even though these are all variations, this, this is what it, the the feel of it for me is when I hear you know eight game mix and it it, it seems like they just want to bring back some of these games that that are. I don't know. To be honest, since I don't play these games a whole lot or at all, right? Uh, how much luck is involved in this? You know, because in the follow the queen or baseball, there's there's luck involved in, in those games. You know, exactly. There's more. Let's say not so much get luck as far as gambling is concerned in it. You know, absolutely. Uh, they're also playing the WSOP circuit, which is being played in Baltimore at uh, the Horseshoe in Baltimore, and uh, they just finished uh, a fellow named uh, Faisal Siddiqui. Uh, took down the main event for 113,000. Uh, Joe Malabranch was uh, finished in second, and Ryan Jones was third. So that's all completed today in Baltimore, and they'll be moving on to the next event shortly. And uh, they move into the fall there. But uh, lots of stuff going on as usual, and uh, people continue to be fascinated with this cheating story out there. And uh, a lot of people just wondering how he did it. Not not necessarily that they would like to try it themselves, but maybe it's crossed their mind and had no idea how they well, could get away with something we, like we, that. We discussed it. I mean, it, <laughs> it's funny because I had to handle somebody who had taken somebody's identity today on on a card and uh, used their free play, and I keep and they were amazed. And I said, listen, you know the. Gambling, as long as there's been gambling, there's been cheating, try, or at least someone trying to cheat to get the, to get an edge and an advantage uh, in that. And we kind of discussed this quite a bit last week, if I remember correctly, because yeah. uh, I wasn't in studio. Um, but you're, you're asking me, people are wondering how he did this, how he cheated? Well, he had to have some help from someone involved with a live feed, because he did... I think it's pretty obvious that he used his phone on his lap. There's no other reason to be staring down into your lap half the time. Uh, but none of his people, stayed, none of the players that sat next to him were able to look at that phone. He was able to hide it that well. I mean, I, I'm, I watch these people on their phones. They're not supposed to be on their phones, but you see them on their phones. And if they're on their way too long... You know, the, the the I've got people complaining. I got dealers. I mean, uh, yeah, the dealers should be saying something to them. You're not supposed to be on your phone. Again, now some of these people say they're listening to music. I mean, again, having not been through five hours, as you asked me before we came on the air, you didn't sit through five hours of <laughs> watching no. his hands and stuff. No, but no uh, I did not. There's been a few things like on the two plus two forum, uh, guy. Uh, showed some pictures of him walking with a phone that was very similar to the blue screen that a lot of people had seen on a blue screen on his phone um, not that he not that he was actually able to uh, watch the live feed in real time because I don't even know if they could do that but you'd have to have some sort of uh, you know transmission of what the cards were well, at the time uh, uh, which I guess you know I have to say you know even if you know what the other th- things are to in real time without being obvious about it figure out how to do this for over a period of 15 months has certainly got to take some skill to uh, pull that off i well to be honest with you dave if i've had an ear if i got an earpiece <laughs> and i'm a, and you're feeding me information that will what my opponents have i'm not going to have any trouble being able to <laughs> manipulate and and, and and that's at my age these this gentleman's what 30 years old or younger or whatever his age is. Uh, yeah, somewhere like somewhere that. Somewhere in there, whatever. You know, you, you, 
All I need to know is what two cards you have in your hand, and I'll know how to play the hand out to get you off of it, to, to take the most money from you, to release it, and just amaze the crowd, you know. But, uh, again, I don't see that being very difficult. The, the, the big issue is who's giving them the feed, how quickly is, are they getting it, because, you know, they're getting – this may actually lead to a thing about maybe the people getting the feed or get, should be getting it on a delayed basis also. Right. You know, I don't know if that's possible at all, but, um, you know, until well, we get further details on, on, on how how he's cheating, if he is cheating, if he is cheating, um, and, and obviously so many people believe that he is, so. Um, like everyone. Like everyone, so, <laughs> but, you know. Somebody, somebody needs to 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 find that smoking gun, so to speak, you know, and and say this is exactly how he's doing it, and that hasn't come forth yet, has it? That I know no, of, it well, hasn't come out. There's been speculation as to how he's cheating, or you know, what parties might and might not be involved or are involved in it, based on the lawsuit. People who are you know accusing management of knowing it, the tournament director, the production crew. You know, the, uh, again, until we until we find out exactly how it's being done, you know, it, it's all speculation. Well, there was a lawsuit filed last week. Uh, the lawyer involved is uh, Mac Verstandig, who is uh, well known as kind of like the number one poker lawyer, uh, and his legal team uh, included in the lawsuit Kelly Minken, who the great player, who is also a lawyer, and 25 other poker players seeking damages of more than $30 million. The uh, people they filed the suit against are Mike Postel, uh, King's Casino, which uh, happens to be holding the World Series of Poker currently at the time, so uh, not good timing for them. Uh, also, but they own the Stones Gambling Hall in, in Northern California. The tournament director and live poker production manager, Justin Caritas, named in the lawsuit, and several unnamed co-conspirators. Uh, so they are suing for $30 million, uh, accusing the defendants of nine counts of racketeering, fraud, negligence, and libel. Um, they talk about uh, Postel's absurdly high win rate, more than six times what top players expect to earn, resulting in maybe as much as 300000 in estimated profits. Uh, he talks about, uh, you know, the, the timing of his losses and how they, you know, there were... RFID malfunctions in the stream, and people are looking at the body language he displayed while checking out his phone. And um, you know, his team is just saying. Postel says that it's just a heater. <laughs> <laughs> and his lawyer wow. actually came out today and and said, you know, I've lost lots of hands in a row, so I know that a good winning streak like that is possible. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. About the game. <laughs> and and it's our. Our outstanding guy here, Gio, has told me about uh, the civil cases, which you don't have to do, find reasonable, you know, beyond reasonable doubt. The preponderance of evidence uh, is probably what they're basing this the civil lawsuit on. Yeah. That everything just looks like he's cheated. Uh, again, may may not have. I don't want to comment until I see all the evidence and and actually find a smoking gun. But um, you know this. This is only this is only going to get louder. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if a settlement is made. Obviously, well, we'll prior see. prior to getting to court, they talk about his exponential winnings that they can't be explained through finely honed abilities to quote read opponents. Uh, that the uh, optimal plays made by Mr. Postel uh, require not merely an analysis of his opponent's strength or weakness in a poker hand, but rather the precise composition of such hands and he, how he was continuously correct in making such assessments over a period of time in excess of a full year. And let me tell you, Dave, as we've well known, you know, that uh, obviously if, if a smoking gun is found, but, you know, your, your, comp your reputation is completely shot anytime you've you've been associated with any type of uh, fraud, cheating. You know, we, we've had that with, uh, as we discussed prior to the start of the show, I believe it was uh, main event winner Russ Hamilton from the, right. the 90s of, you know, being accused of cheating. I, I know that one of my uh, former students that was dealing at Gulfstream told me about him walking into Gulfstream and the people just yelling out, cheater, cheater, and 
and stuff like that. And uh, it, 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 now so much, remember, with also with the full tilt scandal that some of these people haven't even come back. Some have. And so I don't know where this is going to end, but I can't imagine it ending real well for, for Mike. Uh, well, for he, had, Mike. he had a lot of people snowed, obviously, because uh, the broadcasters that were on the uh, live feed. Now, just to to give you a little information about this, there's been a, you know, outside of all the World Series of Poker and uh, the World Poker Tour that have big professional uh, TV shows where they have the equipment in there and everything, uh, the ones who have been the most successful has been the Bicycle Casino in Los Angeles. They do a regular show of cash games called Live at the Bike, and, you know, we've seen some interesting stuff out of that. That guy, Armenian Mike, that was angle shooting, uh, that they caught him. You know, he said all in and and then, then oh, said, no, right. no, no, I didn't go all in. Yeah. And then there was a big argument at the table and, and uh, you know, pretty crazy stuff going on there. But those are for a little higher stakes than what's actually being played at Stones, which is one three games, a dollar, three dollar games. And uh, so their idea was to just kind of take the format that the bike had and try to make them uh, – get them publicity and more uh, reputation around the country. Mm-hmm. Now, it's backfired because, um, you know, the the guy who was in charge of the production and uh, was the floor manager, um, you know, was accused. One of the girls that was on the show, uh, her name is Veronica Brill. She's the so-called she was a commentator. She, yeah, was a commentator. she was a commentator, and she saw things. She didn't understand how nobody could really notice some of these things because she saw some really crazy stuff and went to this guy, Justin Caritas, and, uh, you know, told him that uh, this is exactly, you know, what, what's obviously happening. And Caritas responded by saying that, the, you know, the casino is 100% secure. There's zero chance of cheating. Uh, there's an outside agency that orders their security every three months. Uh, he knows that people were gossiping, but he would quit his job if there really was cheating, and just completely denied it, you know. But he's one of the ones being named in the lawsuit. Yes, he is now. So some of the other guys that were commentating on the show, you know, were said this guy is like a poker god and said, uh, you know, he idolized, uh, you know, the way he could read people's souls. And, uh, you know, they were completely flummoxed by uh, the accusation. So... Uh, you know, the human interest side of this is that Veronica Brill was absolutely castigated by all the people that were friends with Postal, that worked at the casino, that worried about their jobs, uh, you know, being put in jeopardy if the accusations came out. And they just tore her apart on the social media. And, uh, you know, she was threatened. Uh, there were people that said, you know, they they hoped she drove into a tree and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, she had a lot of guts to come out and say something. You yeah. know, where he were whistleblower in the Donald Trump, uh, you know, national cases and stuff. But that's how, you know, wrongdoing is often exposed by someone having the courage to stand up and, and report it. You know, the, I think we're past the era where, you know, no no snitching and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, you know, obviously with what's going on with Trump and the whistleblower stuff. But um, my experience in 30, 30 years in this business is that... When cheaters get caught, it's usually because some of the players, you know, 90% of the times, if not more, have have been players that catch other players cheating. And in this case, she's not a player, but she's watching the action live as she's commentating on it, you know. And, again, the amazing part is this is something that's been ongoing for how long now? Was 15 it? months. 15 months, you know. You, uh, over a year, I'm kind of, you know, still surprised that other people watching this feed weren't seeing, you know, th- that they weren't seeing the same thing that she was. Yeah, well, one of the comments about that was that, uh, you know, they didn't say anything nefarious, just good old-fashioned soul reading. Uh, you know, they had their local hero in this guy, and they had to pump him up to hype their live stream uh, to feel better about losing to him themselves or possibly because they just don't understand poker and math on a level that would make his winning suspicious. Well, I, the toughest part that I have swallowing is that it's taken that long for something to even be mentioned. Right. And then all of a sudden it goes from a, a you know, a little billow of smoke to a, you know, to a uh to a raging uh fire really quick and I just I know it was a low limit game, but he was winning enough money on it being telecast People weren't making comments, you know, saying, 
nine months ago, six months ago, three months ago. This just, you know, all of a sudden blew up on one particular hand, and now people are researching history. The Internet has taught us one thing, and watching, you know, watching these shows, we got whistleblowers on golfers when, the, you know, a twig moves <laughs> and right, everything exactly, else, exactly. and it's cost people tournaments. And, again, I'm not saying that he didn't do anything. I just find it so hard to believe that just besides this young lady, you know, catching this and saying this is just too surreal that this guy's making the right move on every single, you know, on every single call, whether it's to make the call, to make the raise, to fold, you know, that other other poker players haven't even at least made comments going, wow, this guy's really lucky, you know. <laughs> Something along those lines, you know, that all of a sudden now everybody in the poker world's involved in it. Right. Uh, Earl Burton is a writer for Poker News. He wrote an editorial about it. About it. He said, uh, for the sake of poker, either arrest him, uh, shut down the, the card room, or just end the ongoing situation. Uh, so, um, you know, the, all this stuff is, is, is coming to well, an end. Well, let me tell you happened. something. I agree with the fact that, hey, if if he was cheating, arrest him, and not only him, but every single person well, don't you that think was eventually someone in... will break down and say, you know, here's what happened, you know, and, and well, you know, people th- people th- feel guilty and they come out with, uh, you know, so I think we'll hear the whole story. It may take some time. This guy is obviously a shady character for the lo- for the long time. Uh, one of the great lines was, uh, uh, his reputation has been this. Yeah. Prior well, to I mean, this? you know, uh, stuff outside of poker in his life. You know, there's all this stuff is coming out. But uh, you know, the best line was. Imagine cheating people out of thousands of uh, thousands of dollars a year and trying to sleep at night. Uh, listen, we've had a lot of corporations, Enron, uh, <laughs> uh, Ivan Bosky. These these are people that have cheated people out of life savings and somehow find a way to sleep at night. You know, uh, it sucks that it's happening in poker because for all the years that we've been doing this show, I've always said that the one thing that a poker room needs first and foremost is that it's a straight up game. That it's a, that people could go there and believe that it's an honest game. That management is, you know, doing everything possible to make sure that the game is on the up and up, and that everybody, you know, that it, that it's a fair, it, that it that it's a, a real game. You know, that no one's well, cheating. And they backtracked his winnings, uh, you know, and they found that when this Justin Caritas was in Las Vegas, had to leave for the World Series of Poker for two weeks, he hardly played at all, and he only played the games that were live streamed. So, you know, all this circumstantial evidence, obviously, uh, but it falls into line. And uh, so people are saying, well, he went on, uh, he went on a podcast with uh, Mike Matisau and uh, he just claimed and Matisau backed him up that he was just a great player. And uh, Matisau later admitted uh, he didn't really prepare. He didn't have the knowledge of it and might have even been a little relaxed due to usage of uh, marijuana. <laughs> his his thinking may have been impaired, huh? And then a lot of people said when he challenged Doug Polk to play heads up, uh, you know, any time he wanted was is the ultimate guilty move, you know, that got, someone makes when when they get accused of things. Yeah, well, you know, you go on the offense. <laughs> Sometimes it's the best defense, as they say. Uh, again, all this evidence really does not look good, you know. All, all the circumstantial evidence, as you said, you know, not playing while the other guy was away doesn't look good for either one of them, obviously, yeah, right. you know. And now, so you got those two there. My, you know, the, the trilogy is going to be who in the production crew, and it's got to be a small, small group that are capable of right. exactly. getting this. And to be honest with you, you know, the... If this is happening, like that gentleman that you said, swift action has to be taken. Criminal action has to be taken. Forget about the civil lawsuit. That's, you know, that's lawyer stuff and everybody trying to, you know, make their money. Thirty million dollars. You know, they're they're obviously looking for a settlement, and the lawyer representing them is going to get whatever his large percentage is going to be. Uh, but as a poker player, manager. <laughs> Criminal charges have to be bring have to, and people have to actually 
pay a consequence for for this, not just lose their jobs, but you know to deter anything in the future like this. Think about it. You know, we look forward to watching that main event. Imagine if something like this was happening there. Yeah. What would that do to the poker community? It would I, I would imagine every strong tournament director, every strong pick, they would they would have to be beyond like telling everybody, listen, we we. We need to really punish these people to the fullest extent that the law allows us to and just drop the hammer on them to to avoid anything because this is the type of scandal that could, you know, rock the faith of people who are on the fence that aren't hardcore poker players that you're trying to convince. I know the poker, you know, the, the, the poker world still trying to get sponsors and everything. This is the type of thing. That I would imagine down the line, somebody who wants to sponsor something like this, nah, these people can cheat anytime they want and just step away from it. And it, w- it really would suck after so many years of poker being built up to the level that it's at right now. There's a poker pro named Matt Berkey that actually, uh, he, he in part of his uh, broadcasting, he does own some RFID technologies. And uh, when... Uh, a couple of hands, Postal said, well, that was an error with the uh, RFID technology, and uh, I actually had 8.7, not 8.8. And Berkey said, you know, those errors are not possible. I know this technology. And uh, he said that he had stumbled onto something huge and made a quick video demonstrating how easy it would be to have perfect real-time info with the help of someone in the control room. So there's videos out there that are just really damning. And uh, the word well, is when you get somebody like this who knows this and can you know be, tell you, look, this isn't the, what he said. It can't possibly happen, and I can prove it to you. Then, like I said, you need, the, the pressure is going to have to come because it looks like the the, the uh, tournament director and obviously Mike Possible are not going to break down and, and admit to all of this. So the the person uh, law enforcement has to strongly go after and research this and find out money has to have been transferred, you know, is is the the person in the production, you know, or persons, depending on, on you know, whether one sees it and relays the message. So, so you've got to get everybody involved in this and make them pay a price. Yeah, so besides the uh, monies that would be uh, refunded to people who have been damaged by some of these games, if they could prove that they lost and prove friendly played uh, with Postal, um, he the he is subject to uh, possibly wire fraud if they can prove that he used his phone in this deal, and uh, that's what I say. Get the feds involved. That'd be real nice. That 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 may shake the tree a little bit. Well, and see what's falls it's out. It's not great for poker. Uh, no, it's not great for poker, but, but it is great if great if we can expose fix it. The right, exactly, expose it, and 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 you know severe consequences are paid because of this to avoid this in the future. Right. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Let's take a break on the show then. Uh, We'll talk about a couple other things. We'll talk a little bit more about the Jacksonville tournament, which was a big one on the schedule every year and uh, playing down to the final nine. We'll take a look at that one when we come back. Also, we'll talk a little more about World Series of Poker Europe and uh, have an interesting story that I thought was kind of fun to take a look at, and that is uh, three ways not to get better in poker. Not to get better? And, And it involves... Things that you would think would help you with the, the things that are good, but people go about doing it the wrong way. So I want to touch on that as well. And so who's this written by? That's written by uh, I think Gavin Griffin, is it? Okay, Oak. No, not Gavin. Not no, Gavin. I think maybe Steve Blay had a hand in this one. All Steve, right. Blay, he's out on the show with Advanced Poker Training. Anyway, uh, we'll take a look at that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and uh, we'll be back with more of the show after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Live. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. What is that? Oh, that? It's my time machine. Does it work? Sure. Just hit this button. Whoa, dinosaurs. Cool. Or we can go here. Hey, that's Napoleon. 
Oui. Owing the future. Wow, hey, you have this nice house. Do I have a nice house? No, you didn't save any money. Always spent it on vacations and stuff. If only there was a way I could go back in time and correct that bad habit. Yep. Okay, the time machine is not real, but the saving thing is. Get in the habit of putting some of your money in savings each week through a 401k, savings account, or financial investments. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy tips on saving, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. What does this crazy little button do? Wait, no! This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Android and iPhone users, download the WFO Radio app. It's sports radio for racing fans. Thank you, I appreciate it. The ultimate, the ultimate racing, racing show, show, including WFO Radio NHRA Nitro, WFO Radio Ignition, the WFO Radio NASCAR Tailgate Party, news, videos, push notifications, and more. I just hope I'm part of it. Go to the App Store or Android Market, search WFO Radio, and download now. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe. Uh, still a dinner break over at the Jacksonville tournament. We'll keep an eye on that one when they come back. I did want to touch on this uh, this thing I teased right before, and that is the uh, article that we, I read about uh, certain things that are ways not to get better at poker. And, I'm and curious. You've piqued my interest Okay, here. well, I'll, I'll just read them, the three things, and you would think, those are good for you, aren't they? But one is playing a lot of poker, reading too many poker books, and the third one is watching instructional videos that are unfortunately ill-suited to your current game. And uh, let's look into that a little bit. You know, obviously there's lots of stuff out there to learn, and you've got to go to the right place because, you know, certain uh, teaching functions are, are – everybody has a different, you know, uh, abilities and style and knowledge. So if you apply the wrong things to your game – and the first one is playing too much poker. And they, uh, they go back to uh, the old coach Vince Lombardi who used to say, practice makes permanent. Which sounds good if you're pra- if you're uh, practicing the right the things. The right things. But the wrong thing is if you're playing, for instance, if you're playing golf and you have a hitch in your swing, he says, the surest way to keep it is to just play dozens of rounds without fixing it first. So exactly. same thing with poker. If you're doing things wrong, you need to fix that flawed approach before you start playing a lot. So. Uh, you need to analyze what's wrong, improve the problematic areas before well, playing a lot with the right way. Yes, and for people who, who play poker, it, it's this is a common thing. Obviously, I believe this article was written for people who are novices, just yeah, getting into I it. Yeah, I would because, say, you know, because, people you know, on the way up. If you've been playing for a while, you know, you should realize the mistakes you made. And playing a lot of poker and continuing to make the same mistakes, I, you know, you got to be an idiot to continue to do something like that. You know, you want to play poker as you're making adjustments, you know, and, right. and we all have to do that. And, you know, Work every, every session, little. every session that you do, you know, depending on whether you're playing with the same group of people, that's another scenario. You know, you, you play with a long group of people, you've gotten to know how they're playing, and if you don't adjust when they adjust... You start making those, you know, mis- making other mistakes. Right. So you've got to be intelligent enough to realize, all right, there's a flaw in my game. This is what it is. How do I go about improving this? And it, and obviously you, you can't improve it. What's what's that old saying? Uh, uh, insanity is is doing the same thing over again and expecting, expecting a different, different result. result. Well, that's the same thing here. Well, that's the thing too. Is you know people would think that you just just keep playing, but you need to have like in a golf, purpose. A, a professional instruction to point out because you're not able to pick out the flaws in your game yourself. You know, you need someone to help you with that, I think. Well, I go back many years ago to learning one of mine's thing where, you know, I, I was kind of like really starting to learn hold them because it was new at that time. I, I love playing seven-card studs. That's what I grew up with. And then, you know, somebody says, listen, I was having a tough time you know, seven-card stud, there's a lot of cards exposed. I was very good at remembering what was folded. So I had an advantage there. Now, all of a sudden, that, that advantage was taken away 
when when Holdem came in and I wasn't very you you know adapt to that game. Right. I remember one of the first big hands I ever played. I folded two pairs, thinking the way these guys are betting, the, you know, these two pairs can't be good, and I would have, you know, cleaned up if I had continued to play. They were playing one pair like like it was uh, like it was a, a royal flush, and here I was not knowing the game, folding two pairs, and obviously at that moment I realized, you know, you need to learn how to how to properly play this game before you sit down and play it again. Right. You know, and one of the things that helped me was putting people on hand so that you could start to read people better. And, you know, the technique, that it was very simple. Pay attention when you're not in the hand and see how many times once it gets to showdown and you're actually seeing the hands. Try to guess what, what this person has based on their bet and everything else. And believe it or not, I was playing at that time with about the same group of 10, 12, 15 people, depending on who was available on a certain night. My game and my income, you know, my, my, my results really started to improve when I was, once I started getting to the point where I was correct more than 50% of the time. And, and then I got to the point where I knew I was correct three out of every four times. And all of a sudden that builds a confidence. It's, all of a sudden I felt like uh, maybe like Mike Foster where, where I was making the right reads 75% of the time. Right. You do something like that you're going to have a lot of winning sessions. Well, the second one is uh, reading too many poker books. Uh, not necessarily that you're reading too many books, but you're reading the wrong way. And people might say, what do you mean reading the wrong way? Uh, and, and what I mean by that is a lot of people read them like a novel. They'll read a poker book straight through. You've got to take it in sections. You've got to make it like when you uh, did Sherry Bykovsky's book, you, you used a highlighter on things that yeah. really piqued your interest, maybe fold the corner of the page or whatever you want to do. And then go back and concentrate on certain fundamentals that you need to work on. Uh, hers is a 36-question questionnaire after you have playing sessions. And you don't necessarily need all of that, but certain things will really pop well, out of you when you answer the question is, well, yeah, I didn't do that. Exactly. Well, and like in Sherry's book and in a lot of other instructional type of books or, you know, how to improve, it's you take what part you need, you know, as you read it. As like you said, I don't need to do step A, B, C, and D, but F, G, you know, these two, wow, you know, I'm not thinking about it. I highlighted it because, believe it or not, some of it is stuff that you knew. I knew, but you forget because hadn't thought poker encompasses so much now. And sometimes you're reading it and you're going, okay, and then the game changes. And some of the simple things, you know. I always found myself when people were asking me, and I go, listen, I'm nowhere near a high stakes. I've played with these people. I've gotten better. And when people would ask me certain questions, to the point of when I was teaching even more so, and I'd go into instruction as to why this would this, and I'd bring up something, and i go, holy cow, I, for, I forgot. I, you know, I haven't been implementing that in my game recently. And not, not recently, but maybe for the last six months or a year. And I go, how the hell did I, you know, how did I... And because you are constantly learning, you know, this is a continual education, but like, like they do with doctors and in other fields, other professional fields, poker is like that. You know, that's your continual education, right. reading different things, but not forgetting. And you have to learn how to implement all of that or some of it at different times, you know. Well, his point is if you do read a poker book, whether it's an old one like uh, Doyle Brunson's Super System 2 or a newer one that's uh, concentrating on some of the new theories in the game, he says go slow, take notes, and then test out the techniques before you move to the next chapter. Right, and I've mentioned on this show over the years that, you know, we, we've always talked about different people running classes. Remember the teaching things that they would come down here? I still remember the biggest one was when Mike Matisau came with... Um, I remember the what boot it, camp, yeah. the boot camps, yeah. right? WPT boot and camp. I've had people and you know tell me, oh, this was great for me, or no, this is not good. And I just used to tell them, I go, listen, use what you're comfortable with, because we're not all the same player. That's what's wonderful about this game. You know, we have, the, like they say, they like to label them all tight, aggressive, uh, loose, aggressive. Uh, you know. All these different labels that they have, a knit, you know, because this guy just plays one way. We've learned that you have to try to change that up, you know. But I also believe that for every style, 
of play that you feel comfortable with. You know, if you're a really crazy aggressive player and you're not obviously having a lot of success doing that because people have caught on to it, you go to one of these uh, boot camps, you got to pick and choose that, oh, wow, you know what, if I change this up a little bit, maybe this will happen. You have to, you know, kind of feel it out and see what you're most comfortable with and then trying to see how far you can start stretching out of your comfort level to get a better read on your opponents and... That's the tough part for most people. Right. You, you want to go with what you feel comfortable doing. And a lot of people, uh, we talk about, you know, the novice players trying to get better. He said a lot of these training videos will focus too much on advanced concepts uh, that are more applicable to a different level of poker play. And that, you know, if, if you're reading about GTO poker, game theory optional, optimal, uh, game theory optimal, and uh, you start looking at some of that stuff and trying to uh, enact complicated strategies on the first day you're learning that you're really lacking in the straightforward techniques that you need to be more profitable. You have to learn in steps and right. stages, you know, and and you have to make sure that whether it's a video or book that, that you're up to the level to understand it, you right. know, that, and that's all that means there is that, you know, you can't use these these techniques on lower level, lower limit players, and, and exactly, that's great advice what he's giving there. And I see this article, you know, is kind of to promote his advanced poker training, which is a game simulator, and you can actually set it up so that uh, you get the kind of levels that you play personally. You know, you could play as many as 500 hands an hour to uh, replicate that and, and play it over and over again, but not over your head type of play with tricky situations. Yeah, well, listen, without having used his uh, his application, stuff like that, but that makes a lot of sense as far as training and everything is concerned. Again, so many years in this business, uh, if I was a young person looking to get into this game now, um, you know, and you don't have available to you in this country all the different types of games that we had before Black Friday hit us, you know, in, in, in the poker world, um, this is a great way to you to start to improve your game and, and to learn that. There's so many different ways, Dave, for you to improve your game. Right. And, again, this is a simulator, you said, that simulates different levels of, 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 exp of uh, expertise. Is, yes. is that what he's saying? Yes. As you improve. So, obviously, they must be using... You know, certain pros' mindset and and how they you know how they approach a, a target. I mean, I'd love to know how he sets that up and and how it's used. You know, when you, when you're using that 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 uh, technology. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's for me. It, I would want to know. Okay, I've moved up to this level. You know, I, I feel comfortable here. Let's go up to the next level, and you know for doing this for many years I'd love to know how th that you know where that that information was taken from and these people you, you constantly keep questioning it and if this is this is the life that you want to be either become a professional poker player or at least semi professional to supplement an income to to get whatever challenges you've got because a lot of uh, you know competitive uh, players you know competitive people are poker players so Great information, you know, that that he's giving you. Great advice, I should say. Great advice that he's giving you on these suggestions for players out there, you know, especially for those novices and, and people who who are thinking very seriously of entering the poker world <laughs> and dipping that toe in, 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 in the poker pond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also want to mention that the... Uh the Isle Open is underway at the Isle Casino, so all this stuff continuing. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the Hard Rock, and you know, because they're a real class organization. I'm friends with a lot of people over there, and I do like the Isle. I used to work there, but that is also a very good poker room that has big tournaments every year. Uh, so Ken Lambert, that was there, has been uh, was dismissed some time back. They have not hired a new manager. Is Vinny still? Vinny, the last I heard, Vinny was uh, Vinny Gatto was. Uh, kind of the interim manager, but uh, I haven't heard any more about that, so I need to get over there this weekend. All right. Well, I'm rooting for Vinny to get that job. Yeah, that would be nice. He's a great guy. But they're in event number three over there. 
a lot of stuff going on uh, in the early events and, of course, the main events still to come, but we'll keep an eye on some of that for you as well. Uh, we'll get back to a couple of those other tournaments when we come back. Uh, and if we have time, I'd like to talk about an article that Barry Schulman wrote. Uh, Barry, the uh, own the publisher of Card Player Magazine for many years, but he had some apprehensions with some of those uh, TDA changes, and uh, we'll see what he has to say about that uh, when we come back. So, Alrighty. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and you can always pick us up on SoundCloud. Best place to, to get us on SoundCloud, and uh, also many other places, including the Hold'em Radio Network, the Poker Fuse podcast page, iTunes, uh, any place you get your uh, your podcast, whether it's Stitcher or uh, Spotify or some of those things as well. So uh, we'll be back with uh, the finish of the program when we return. Poker Action Line coming to you from South Florida here uh, on a Monday night. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. A lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available. I started going cold turkey. Well, at least when I'm in the car. I know I shouldn't do it, but it's so hard to stop. That's why I hide it from myself, so I won't be tempted. I used to do it all the time. I stopped by locking it in my glove compartment. My friend used to do it way too much. Now I turn it off when we're in the car. My solution is simple. I just don't do it. There are lots of ways to stop yourself and others from texting and driving. How will you stop? Tell us at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here. And uh, just did want to mention event number one was a $400 buy-in at the aisle. In the aisle open, it was won by Antoine Bahi from Boca. And Raminder Singh finished second. Uh, looking down the list, Carlo Rodriguez, who I talked about, a uh, friend from the show, uh, that won the uh, Platinum Pass uh, last year at the Seminole Hard Rock, went down to the... Uh, the PCA and played in that big tournament down there. He finished eighth in this event, uh, three thousand nine hundred eighty dollars. Playing good. Right behind him was Neil Blumenfield. Oh, so he's playing a lot of the local tournaments down here. Michael Newman finished fifteenth. Ryan Giaquitti was fifth. He's a guy that I've talked to and and actually played in a couple tournaments with. So a uh, good guy there as well. But that was the big tournament number one. They're in event number three right now, and uh, playing that one down. That is. Uh, uh, Let's see. That one is. Eh, I don't have the price on that one, but uh, they there's still a lot of players still involved, so they got a ways to go on that one. So, anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. I wanted to get back to the Barry Schulman uh, thing, which is, uh, and, and he doesn't want people to take this wrong, like he was finding fault with the TDA. Huge fan of the TDA for the 20 uh, years. You know, this summer we did a couple interviews with Matt Savage. He talked about I, the changes. I think they've, they've done wonders for the tournament world so they actually this was the ninth year they had a summit the tda summit 
resulted in 11 rule changes, 10 rule clarifications, and one new recommended procedure. But he said there were three of the rule changes that he didn't like. Which were? Okay, the first one was eliminating the double bet in stud high on 4th Street. He said when there's a, an open pair on 4th Street, the better has the option for a single or a double bet. Uh, the TDA voted to eliminate the double bet option. Meaning that it's just a single bet. Yes. Uh, he thought that was, uh, you know, he said it was a fundamental rule of the game, and changing it is the uh, same thing as saying a uh, queen should be ranked higher than a king. I, I couldn't agree any more with that, Joe. I didn't know that, and that's I agree. Why? Why change that? It's been that way f- you know, 60 years old. It's been that way since I've been playing seven-card stud, 12, 13 years old. He said it's uh, way different than worrying about seating order, table talk, penalties, uh, any of the other things they talked about. He well, said it changes the basis of stud strategy. It really does. It really does. I, I, ag- I couldn't agree more with him, like I said. Did the TDA state a reason why they made that change no, by any chance? I don't. Uh, I'm curious to understand. I think Barry Greenstein was one of the people who wanted that rule change. I'd love to understand. You know, listen, maybe I'll change my mind once I hear the, his reasoning for it. Yeah, we'll have to go it, back and look at that. I'm not a stud player, so that's kind of above my pay I, I scale. Mean, that was my, that's, that's my first love in poker was seven-card stud. And being that I had a memory for remembering what was on the board, I got good at it quickly. He had a solution. He says, go back to the way the game was invented or change the name of the game entirely because it is materially a different game. Perhaps we'll call it TDA stud. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'll tell you what. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the second thing he uh, had a problem with was the dealers announcing all, all bet amounts in uh, No Limit Hold'em. He said, uh, certainly it's something the TDA ought to be involved in, but he's not a fan of the rule. He said uh, the theory that uh, announcing the bets will speed up the game and cause less confusion. Uh, you know, there's something to that, he says. But he said, what happens when a dealer make, mistakenly uh, announces the wrong uh, chip count? And a player makes a decision based on the wrong information. He said, I wouldn't want to be at that table and hear the screaming when the player finds out that he is responsible for the mistake and not the dealer. Well, it's real funny. I agree with both of them <laughs> for different depending on what hat I'm wearing. As a player, I don't want to have that. I don't want them to announce the bet for that for those same reasons and for the strategies that go along with making your opponent maybe sometimes misread that bet and think it's more than what it is. But as a dealer, I grew up announcing those bets all the time. Right. And 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 it definitely sped up the action. Now. You know, thank God, I'm not going to say I never made a mistake, but if I did, it was me adding it real, not, not noticing a chip real quick, and by announcing it, usually it never got to a point where I announced a wager, and not telling you that I didn't make a mistake, I'm sure I made him, but I would catch it real quick and make and make the adjustment no more than one player afterwards. Um you know, so there's validity to what Barry says, but top-notch poker dealers, and maybe that's what he's saying is maybe there's not enough top-notch yeah, poker dealers uh, that true. did it because I hate the fact that we used to announce the all-in. He's all-in for $240. Now, you know, can't do that. You know, they just say he's all-in until somebody asks you for, for a countdown. To me, that slows the damn game down. He says, uh, he said, there aren't too many players worse at making out the chips than me, and I often need to ask and look for myself. He's, his solution is, when a player puts in an oversized chip, the dealer announces the bet size. Additionally, when many chips go into the pot at once, the dealer announces whether or not a raise has occurred. But instead of counting out the stacks, they can simply fan the chips out and arrange them by denomination in rows of five that way. The player could see at a glance the general amount and ask for a more specific count if need be. Right, that's when they're pushing in those big stacks. But, you know, I agree. Listen, like I said, I agree 100% on both sides <laughs> because it all depends on whether I'm on what side of the table I'm sitting on exactly. that I agree with. But from a management standpoint and dealer standpoint, I would prefer they count out the bets. It def- in my opinion, it definitely moves the game along. This is how it was done. I was brought into this business when I learned to be a dealer. And when this game came to the state of Florida, 
This is how it was done. Okay. Uh, he said hopefully he's wrong and it won't be an issue, but he thinks it's a disaster waiting to happen and that the rule will be gone in within a year if it is. Uh, the final one is utilizing the big blind ante when shorthanded. And we talked a little bit about that. Uh, he said it's one of the most important changes since the advent of the tournament clock. Uh, it speeds up the game, cuts down arguments, reduces uh, chip denominations in play. He said, unfortunately, things get a bit off kilter at the end of a tournament when a table is shorthanded. Remember, the big blind Andy was invented to allow one player to Andy for the entire group. Therefore, when the group is cut in half, the effective Andy is twice what it has historically been and takes on too much significance in the event. So let's uh, tweak it a little bit and make it better. His solution is, when a table has five or more players, utilize the big blind ante. With three or four players, the ante becomes the size of the small blind. When the tournament is heads up, no ante will be necessary. I, I love those suggestions, to be honest with you. I love the fact that we've gone to the big blind ante, because that avoids who did, you know, the dealer wasting time waiting to get everybody's ante into the pot, then people forgetting because you know just it's you, you become a robot just grab and then all of a sudden somebody goes hey somebody's ante is missing and now we don't know who the hell it is because you know nine people all say they anteed so <laughs> who's the liar in the group you know and if people are wondering uh, who the hell but, is this guy Schulman but I agree because and I think that if you're going to start those anties you know I haven't seen the structure there but I know that the structure that that has been set forth by the manager now where I'm at. You know, it starts at a level based on the chips that you get, Dave, that it kind of starts hard right away, you know? Right. But usually at that point, you still have full tables. But, man, I never, I didn't hear anybody say that about either going to the small blind. And obviously, heads up, there's no reason for it, in my opinion, just like he, like he said. Um, but... I like I like Barry's ideas there a lot on that. Yeah, just to give people an information about him, he's been the card player uh, publisher for a long time. He's won two bracelets at the World Series of Poker. His wife is a great player that's won a bracelet. His, His son, son Jeff, Jeffrey Schulman, is also a great player. So uh, he has $5.6 in career earnings, so he uh, knows what he speaks. Yeah, I'm, 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 like I said, I agreed on all three of them with him. Except that middle one, it depends if I'm on the if I'm wearing the dealer hat. I I, I would prefer that the way that the TDA said there. But um, this last rule, I I couldn't agree more with him there. I I think that's fine. And you know, <laughs> I'll sign the petition to to back him up on the seven card stud uh, <laughs> double bet. Uh, I'll be one of the people uh, you know uh, right behind him going yes yes yes. So. Uh, anyway, the uh, aisle open event that's playing now is uh, aisle event number three. It's a uh, $50,000 guaranteed with a $130 buy-in, so a rather small tournament. They came into today uh, with 80 players left out of 576, and uh, they are probably quite a ways toward the final table on that tonight. But anyway, I didn't have that information back then. David Steinberg was the chip leader heading into today. Don't have any information about... Uh, the uh, event number two, but they'll move on with the schedule through uh, the main event, which uh, comes next weekend. Anyway, um, that's winding things down. I do want to mention, uh, let's see if we have anything on the World Poker Tour uh, event, which is being played, of course, in Jacksonville. Uh, let's see. Tournament chip counts there. And I do not have it. Anyway. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's a tournament that uh, is really the only bounty event that's left on uh, the World Poker Tour, seeing how the uh, the one in uh, San Francisco area, the uh, Bay 101, has been discontinued over the past few years. But, uh, you know, we will, uh, we will have those results for you next week. And let's see if I can just one last time try to grab up the current chip counts. Uh, still nine players remaining. Josh Adkins is now the chip leader, three and a half million. Carlos Guerrero has dropped second. Joe McKeon is fourth. Jason Lee fifth, and Josh K is eighth currently. Uh, so anyway, they'll play that one down and uh, finish that one up, and that will be on TV later in the fall. Uh, World Series of Poker Europe uh, done for the day, and they'll get back at it tomorrow with uh, those events, and we'll. Follow along maybe on Poker Go and find out some of the uh, action on the short deck stuff, which is getting very popular, and also the uh, eight-game mix, which I always love to watch. There you go. 
Anyway, that's going to do it for our program tonight. Uh, Joe, thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, I know I'm just grateful to be back in the chair again instead of on the phone. Exactly. And feeling uh, better. And Gio on the technical end, our producer, we appreciate uh, your stuff as well. So that's going to do it for tonight's show. We'll catch you next week with another edition. And we'll be back with more in this fall of Poker Action Live. Views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.